Have you ever been a part of uh, rescuing somebody or something? Uh, just probably a year and a half or so ago, <laughs> I rescued, of all things, a cat. And I didn't rescue this cat for me. I rescued this cat for my, for my mother about six months before she died. And, uh, you know, I knew good and well when I rescued this cat for my mom that uh, it wouldn't be too long before that cat was Martha and my cat. My mother was 90 years old, and the cat was four years old, rescued it out of a shelter. And, uh, but anyway, I've never been much of a cat person. I, I don't know. Maybe I've moved a little bit in the right direction there. Uh, but anyway, we own a cat now. So, uh, and we can say, I, I can say I've, I've at least rescued one thing in my life. We rescued that cat. You know, what is it about us humans that have this, this tendency to, to want to rescue, to rescue things, maybe to rescue people. Um, you know, I thought about that, and, and the truth is, the Bible says that we have been made in the image of God. And if there's anything that is very, very clear about the character and the nature of God is that it is that God is a rescuer. He is a rescuer. Would you agree with that? And when I say that we're, we're made in the image of God, I don't mean, it doesn't mean that we, we look like God or anything. The, the image of God is, is not something you have or something you get. It's just who we are as human beings. And yes, we, we bear a, a marred image of God, but we are still made in the image of God. And uh, that image includes a deep desire to rescue. Have you been uh, reading uh, along with us in the Bible? I hope you have. And as we're reading together as a congregation, and uh, this particular week we, we made our way into the book of Exodus. And uh, <clears throat> it's, a, it's, it's a very powerful book. You know, that between Genesis and Exodus, uh, some 400 years, almost 400 years have passed. And uh, Joseph has died, and uh, uh, now this band of, of Israelites, the children of Israel, that made their way into Egypt, uh, 70 strong, 70 people, now 400 years later have turned into like 2 million people. That's a bunch of babies, isn't it, over 400 years, 2 million or so. And not only had they grown significantly, but the Egyptians decided they may be a threat because there were so many of them, so they subjugated them to slavery, and they were in horrible oppression. These children of Israel, the people who God called his own people. During that time, uh, some uh, 80 years before what we're going to be looking at today, there was a baby who was born. His name uh, was Moses. Moses, just by the sovereign grace and will of God, ended up being raised as Hebrew boy in, in, the, in the very home of Pharaoh himself, raised as Hebrew, I mean, as uh, Egyptian royalty. But when he was 40 years old, he murdered somebody. He had to flee Egypt for his life, and now we find him 
40 years later at 80 years old. And this young boy who had been Egyptian royalty was now just a shepherd tending flocks out in the middle of nowhere. But God knew where he was. God never does lose sight of of his people. God knew exactly where he was, and he knew exactly how to get his attention. So Moses is out there taking care of his flocks, and, and, and he sees this, this bush that is just engulfed in flames. And uh, that you, you find this story in the third chapter of Exodus. I'm going to read about three verses from that chapter and focus on those. But he sees this, this bush engulfed in flames, and, and, and he watches it for a while, and he says, my goodness, that bush is not, it's not burning up. He says, i got to get a little closer to this and see it. And as he did, uh, the Bible records something very interesting. He says, the Lord saw him turn toward that bush. Of course, that burning bush was there in the first place to get his attention. He turns toward it. And as he walks toward the bush, he hears this voice calling out from, from those flames to him. He says, Moses, Moses. Don't come any closer. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and, 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 and Jacob. And uh, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. He said, take your sandals off, Moses. And the Bible just records that not only did, his, did he take his sandals off, but he, he turned his face away because he was afraid to look God in the face and then God began to talk to him about what he wanted him to do God began to talk to him get this about what he had spent 80 years preparing him to do and I've preached this sermon just fairly recently so I won't preach it again but you know what it takes a lifetime for a man or a woman to really grow up spiritually uh, Moses wasn't through his lifetime. He was 80. He lived to be 120, but he was two-thirds of the way through. It was as if God was saying, got this huge job for you. It's going to take a long time to get you ready for it. But Moses, you're ready for it now. And he begins to talk to him. And it picks up there. I want to pick up there in chapter 3, verse 7. And just going to read three verses to give us an idea of the heart of God for his people back in Egypt who were suffering greatly. Chapter uh, 3, verse 7 says this, And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of, of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I came down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. I'm gonna, I'll stop there. Now, let's just drop down to verse uh, 16. Uh, those verses in between there is where uh, the Lord is telling Moses that he wants him to be the one that leads them. But he says in verse 16, Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
has appeared to me, and he told me, I've been watching closely, watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. Now, there are three or four things that God says to Moses that I want us to pay some attention to this morning about, about his people, about the people that, that God had chosen to be his own. Uh, I don't have time to go into all of this, but uh, you're familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, you can go back and read it. God essentially dispossessed himself of all the nations of the earth. It wasn't a permanent thing, but it was a temporary thing. He dispossessed himself of them, and he said, I'm going to raise up a nation of my own. And that's when he begins to talk to Abraham, and he starts this new nation that has now grown to be some two million strong. And they are very, very precious to him. And so God begins to talk to Moses about, this is what I want you to do. This is what I prepared for you to do. And this is how I feel about my people. He said, this is something I want them to know. I want you to know, Moses. First of all, he said, I have seen their oppression. God God was just simply saying, you know what? I see what they're going through. I see it clearly. Uh, This past Wednesday night, we were in the book of uh, Revelation in our Bible study. And uh, it talks about the eyes of Jesus are like fire. And uh, fire that penetrates, that, that, that can see not only what we're doing, but even see the motive of our hearts. That's how well he sees us. And God is saying to his people, look, I see. I can see what you're dealing with. And not only that, he says, I, I, I hear their cries for mercy. I can hear their cries. When they called out to him. Their voices reached the ear of God. And he says, I hear their cry for mercy. And, and, and he said, uh, and because of that, I know. I am very, very aware. Down in that 16th verse, he says, I've been watching very closely. And he said, I'm very much aware of what's going on with my people. And then he says, so, because of that, Moses, I have come down to rescue them. The great heart of God is a heart, the heart of a rescuer. I've come down to rescue them. Do you know... <clears throat> who the people of God are today? You do know, don't you? I hope you know. You know what? It's us, right? It's believers. It's Christians. It's followers of Jesus. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm not teaching this morning some kind of a replacement theology saying that we replaced Israel. No, it's kind of an inclusion theology. We're all together in the body of Christ, and the way you get into the family of God and the way that you become part of the people of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you're Jew or not a Jew, it's through faith in Jesus. And because of that, all of us who have placed our faith in him, we're part of the family of God. We are his 
people. So I want you to think about what God was saying about his people who were slaves and captives in Israel. And and I want you to think about this. Has God changed? Just kind of, you know, shake your head like this. I mean, let me know you're listening, okay? Has he changed? No, he hasn't changed. He has not changed. Is his heart the same? Absolutely. Is his heart for his people the same now as it was then? Absolutely. And so I want us to take this morning these, these, these verses and just take a look at the way God looks at you and me today based upon how he looked at his people back before they came out of exile in Egypt because it is the same. And the truth is when he looks at his people, you know, he looks, uh, these truths are the same. If, if you're just talking about the, the body of Christ, universal, followers of Jesus all over the world, when he sees his people who are being persecuted and, 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 and exiled and moved to the fringes of society, these truths fit. Or if he's just talking about this local body of believers right here at Highland Colony, when he sees what we're going through and we're dealing with, these, these truths fit as well. Or when he looks at you, when he looks at me as an individual follower of Jesus, it's all the same. And so I want to go back over these this morning for just a minute, and I want to try to uh, reassure you a little bit about how God sees you and me. Wherever we are in life, I don't need a show of hands this morning, but I wonder if there's anybody in the room today that needs to be rescued. You know what? I think there probably are. And uh, so this applies to every person in this room. You may not even be a Christian. Let me tell you, if you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say this with all the love in my heart. You, more than anybody in this room, need to be rescued. And God has a heart to rescue you. But then the rescue doesn't stop just when we get saved, like our choir sang a few minutes ago. I can go back to that time when I was saved at nine years old, the ultimate rescue. Jesus forgave all my sin, and he brought me into the body of Christ. I am rescued from the power of sin. I'm rescued from the penalty of sin. I'm rescued from hell, the ultimate rescue. But you know what I found out? Uh, There would be a lot of times in my life after I was nine years old that I need to be rescued. Can you relate to that? A lot of times. And so this morning, I want us to hear the heart of God for the people of God in the 21st century, okay? And this is the first thing that we can see from this. God's commitment to his people is this. He wants you and me to know that he sees. He sees where you are. He sees what you're going through. You're not going through this alone. It may be that you're going through something today that nobody else on the planet but maybe one or two other people know about. But I want you to know God sees it. He sees it. And not only that, as we learned uh, reading that 16th verse of of, uh, Exodus chapter 3, he not only sees it, but he's watching very closely. He's paying close attention to what's going on in your life, 
to what's going on in this church. He's paying close attention. God sees. Does that, does that encourage you a little bit? Um, maybe you're thinking, oh, does he see everything? Well, yeah, he does. Thank God he's very gracious, <laughs> very forgiving. But he does see. He sees what we're doing. He sees the motives of our hearts. But he also sees what we're dealing with in life right now. He sees it. He's not unaware. The second thing is this. He hears. He hears our cries for help. He hears us when we pray. I was talking to a, uh, a young lady on the other side of the world uh, by Facebook Messenger last night. And uh, she is, I don't know how I get involved in all this stuff. She's having guy problems and She's a, uh, she's a young believer, and she wants to really please the Lord and honor him, and she's, she's just trying her best, you know. She's reading her Bible, and she's doing all the things that I've encouraged her to do. And, and she made this, this statement that I think is very, uh, very true for so many of us. She said, I'm, I'm doing all these things, but you know what? I don't see God doing anything, and I sure don't feel a whole lot different. You ever been there? Uh, and I, you know what I told her? I said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're seeing and not seeing. Don't worry about what you're feeling. That has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that God is at work. And he wants you to trust him. He's at work. And you know what? He not only sees what we're going through, he hears us when we call out to him. Does... Do you ever feel like, wow, you know, my, my, my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling? You ever felt that way? You know what? God can hear and see straight through that ceiling, okay? He hears everything you're saying to him. He hears your cries for mercy. He hears your cries to help. Cry out to him. Call out to him. Because he hears and he hears you today. Here's, here's the next thing. He is fully aware of our need. Do you ever think maybe God doesn't see, doesn't hear, doesn't really know what's really going on? You know, uh, you ever think God is just, you know, he's so busy. There's no way that he could see me. No way that he could hear me. Nowhere, no way that he could absolutely know what's going on in my life. And I want you to know he does. He is really big. He is a big God. And he knows everything. He is fully aware of your need. Do you know what? When you pray to God for yourself, when you pray to God for somebody else, you're not informing God about something he doesn't know about. He knows about it. But he wants us to call out to him. There's something very powerful about us calling out to God and sharing our need with him. Um, you, you've heard me often refer to this story in the New Testament where Jesus encounters this blind man named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is calling out to Jesus. He's calling out to him. Jesus is on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And the people around Bartimaeus saying, hush, don't bother him anymore. Just hush. And he just calls out all the louder. And Jesus stops. And he said, bring him here to me. 
And he asked Bartimaeus a question that you may think is very, very strange uh, for, for the Son of God who, who's supposed to know everything. He asked Bartimaeus this, what do you want me to do for you? Great day, Lord. The guy's blind. But Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Because I really believe that he wanted Bartimaeus to be able to communicate that back to him. You know what I found? And, and a lot of times now when I pray for people, I'm so impacted by that story. When I pray for people, I just simply, before I pray for them, I say, I want you to tell me what you want Jesus to do for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people have a hard time articulating that. Great day. Be specific. Articulate what you want the Lord to do for you because, look, he is fully aware of your need. He is fully aware of it. But we need to share it with him. We need to verbalize it. And we need to say, Lord, I need this or I need that. He's fully aware of our need. Here's the last thing. He is here to rescue. Is that not cool? He told Abraham, he said, I mean, he told Moses. I get those guys mixed up. He told Moses, all those Old Testament characters. He told Moses, you know what? Uh, I, I, I see what they're going through. I'm carefully observing. I have heard their cries. I know their need. And guess what? He says, I have come down here to rescue them. And I want you to know that he is here to rescue you. He's here to rescue you. And that is the heart of God for you. Now, look, he may not rescue you in your time or in your way. He knows exactly what he's doing. And so you know what we do? We keep calling out to him. We keep trusting him. And we keep moving forward with him. But he is here to rescue you. And by the way, he already knows what he's going to do with you. He's not pacing the, the, the floors of heaven trying to figure out how in the world am I going to get her out of this. You know, I don't know what I'm going to. No, he already knows. He already knows. But he's using this in your life to develop you, to build you. But he knows. Listen, he sees, he hears, he knows, and he is here to rescue. Is that not awesome? He's here to rescue Well, I started out by telling you about my cat. Uh, her name is Millie Grace, by the way. I didn't give her, we didn't give her that name. That was already her name. She was four years old. But uh, the reason I got that cat from my mother was because my mother had this other cat whose name was Marmy. Marmy was an orange cat, so she named her Marmy, I guess. My mother loved that cat. But I want to tell you something. That was the meanest cat. I'm serious. Uh, Many times, I had to go by and pick my mother up, take her to the doctor because the cat had bitten her. I'm talking bitter badly. And it got to a point to where it was happening almost every month. I mean, they knew us by first name when we walked into the, to the clinic. 
And I finally told her, I said, Mama, we, 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 can't, we can't keep this cat. We can't keep doing this. But first two or three times, she just really protested. Oh, I love her so much, all, all that stuff. Anyway, I finally told her, I said, one more time, Mama, one more time. This cat is gone, okay? Uh, sometime during all of that, my mother had, she knew, I mean, she was old, and she knew that she wasn't going to live forever. And she, she said, Jay, I, I want you to promise me something. I said, oh, Lord. <clears throat> okay, Mom, what is it? She said, I want you to take care of Marmy when I'm gone. <laughs> you know what I told her? I'll take care of her, Mom, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> Only God and I knew what I meant. <laughs> and the day came when she bit her again really, really badly. I said, Mom, that's it. Marmy's history. And finally she said, okay. But she said, will you get me another cat? Well, how do you tell your 90-year-old mama? I said, okay, Mama, I'll get you another cat. I knew good and well at that point that uh, it would be our cat. But anyway, I started looking. I found this cat. She was four years old. Uh, she had actually been temperament tested. Have you ever heard of that? I'd never heard of that. But they said she's got a great temperament. She, she's going to be fine. So I picked her up, and she's, she's a beautiful little animal. She's solid black, shiny black coat, and has white patches on her uh, face and her mouth and neck and her belly and on her paws and all that kind of stuff and uh, and she really is a very sweet cat and my mother absolutely loved her but when mama died we got her okay I'm thinking my sister told me she'd take her but she she changed her mind she had a bunch of animals so anyway we got her we've been kind of well, we've had her now for over a year and uh, have, have kind of gotten, I hate to say it, kind of gotten attached to each other. She's got the weirdest uh, little way of communicating. You know, animals can really communicate with you, right? And uh, one thing I figured out about her was uh, she grew up in a home for four years, but it was a home that had a ton of animals, cats and dogs. And I figured out pretty quickly, probably the most dangerous place in her life up until then was the place where the food was, the food bowls. And they'd all gather in there, and obviously she got, was that, did I hear something? Anyway, maybe not. Obviously, those um, other pets, I mean, really picked on her and probably had no telling what they did with her. And finally they said, you know, we just got to get rid of her, and they did. The reason I think that is because she started communicating with me and Martha in kind of a strange way. I mean, we, we kind of walk out, and uh, her, her room with her food is toward the back of the house. It's wide open. I mean, she can get to it and back, but she wouldn't go in there by herself. And she'd start running that way, and she'd look back and start, meow, meow, and what, what are you doing? She'd run that way, and then she'd look back, and she'd start meowing again, and finally, I went in there. You know what I finally figured out? She was scared to death to be in that room by herself. And so, <laughs> this is our routine. And it happens several times a day. I mean, when I get up in the morning, I feed her. She's not really hungry then, but by the time I'm ready to leave for work, she always wants me to do this. 
she'll start that meowing and I'll follow her into the room and she'll get over that bowl of food and she will start eating. I'm telling you, she'll go after it. And she is purring so loud that the walls are shaking. And I just stand there. Every now and then she'll look back to make, them still, make sure I'm still there. And she's just going after it and she drinks. And when she gets her fill, she turns around and walks out. I said, man, isn't that weird? I started thinking about it as I'm standing at the door <laughs> watching this silly cat eat. One of my dreams in life, you know. <laughs> and uh, she is uh, sitting there eating and she is purring to her heart's content. And I had this thought. Here's a cat that feels secure. She feels safe. And here's a cat who knows she's been rescued. And she does. You know what? Just like you and me. Just like you and me. We've been rescued. And uh, Jesus says, I'm here to rescue you. I'm, I'm right here. I'm here. And, and we can look over our shoulder every now and we won't see him standing at the door, but he's there. And so here's my question for you, Christian. What are you, you going to do with a message like this? What do you do with this? Let me ask you something. Do you believe that, 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 that God sees? Do you, do you believe that God sees what's going on in your life? Do you believe that? Do you? Do you believe that he hears you when you call to him? Do you believe that? Uh, do you believe that he is intimately aware of your circumstances? He knows all about that. Do you believe that? Do you believe he's here to rescue you? You know what? I don't think you do believe it. Because I think you're a lot like me. You know, if we believed it, if we really believed that, we wouldn't spend so much of our time so stressed out, would we? We wouldn't spend so much of our time living in anxiety and fear and, and worry. We wouldn't spend so much of our time trying to run around and fix every circumstance in our life without even thinking about praying or talking to God about it. Have you ever thought, you know, why don't I have this peace that I hear about that passes understanding? You know what? The answer to that is really simple, y'all. The answer is that, to that is that you really don't believe it. You really don't believe that God sees and hears and knows and is here to rescue And what he wants you and me to do is come to a place in our own lives where we're we're like Millie Grace, you know. We're just sitting there purring away, and every now and then we'll look over our shoulder and say, well, you're still there? Yep, you're still there. It's going to be okay. Because he does see, because he does hear. He does know. And he rescues. Has God ever rescued you? Uh, if you're a believer... If you're a Christian, 
you've been rescued. Let me tell you, the biggest rescue of all. But what about since then? Has he rescued you? My goodness, of course he has. How many times he has rescued me out of stuff that I thought, my goodness, I'll never get out of this, but God always has come through. He has always rescued me, sometimes in ways that I never imagined and sometimes in ways that were completely different than what maybe I thought, but always he has rescued. Do you know the book of Psalms uses the word rescue 78 times? And there's this great pattern in the book of Psalms, I just want to share with you today. I've been sharing this for, golly, a long time before I was a pastor. But I noticed it, this pattern in the book of Psalms. And, and, and it's really kind of an equation. I'm not a big equation guy, but here it is. Uh, past help plus present ho- uh, future hope equals present peace. And it works like this. When, like the psalmist, we look to the past and we remember, Lord, you have pulled me out of so many things. You have gotten me through through so many things. And you know what? If you did that before, you'll do it again. So I've got great hope for the future. And I've got, if, if I can see how God has always delivered in the past and he's given me hope for the future, guess what? Today I can live in peace. And that's how he wants you and me to live. He is the great rescuer. And so here's our bottom line for this morning. The Lord sees you. I've been told to leave this up a little longer. Some people write it down. The Lord sees you, hears you, knows, and is coming to rescue you. Call on him and Trust him. That's what he asked you and me to do. Call on him and trust him. Because he does see, he does hear, he knows. And it is his heart to rescue you. And so this is our next step. I'm going to ask you to, uh, if you would, just take your connection card and... uh, Look on the back there. Uh, we put this in there just as, as maybe a guide to, to a way to respond to God today. But you need to respond to God today, okay? <clears throat> uh, we haven't worshipped if we, if we don't respond. God's speaking now. We respond to him. And here's something I would suggest that you say to the Lord. I will trust in God and God alone to rescue me. That doesn't mean you don't do what you need to do or any of that kind of thing. But you know what? Your faith, your trust needs to be in him. Because you know what? It is his heart to rescue you. And if you've been dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear about the future, a lot of worry, uh, all those kinds of things, uh, you're probably the person who needs to say this. You know what, Lord? Uh, I really want to trust you and you alone to rescue me. And uh, you might need to say that several times a day for a while. And it gets better and better. But our hope is in him. Our hope is in him. He loves you with an incredible love. 
And it blows him away when you and I will not trust him. He is so trustworthy. And so my prayer for you today, my prayer for all of us in this room as we get to that place where we can say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. This looks impossible. This looks really hard. I don't know how you're going to pull this off, but I trust you completely. I trust you. And I'll be faithful to you, and I'll follow you, and I'll love you no matter what. That's the kind of faith that really does please God. I will trust you. And you'll be amazed at what God will do. I'm going to open these altars this morning after we pray. Maybe you just need to come say, Lord, I want to lay all my worry and my fear and all that right at this altar. I want to give it to you. And, Lord, my hope and my trust is in you. I'm tired of trusting in me. I'm tired of trusting in somebody else. My hope and my trust is in you. And you are my rescuer. Do you need to say that today? Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to save you. Let me tell you, you talk about the ultimate rescue. It's the greatest rescue of all time. Rescue from an eternity in hell. But it's offered to you because he loves you. And then he just keeps on rescuing us as we'll trust him. I want to ask you to stand with me, if you will. And um, I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to open these altars up. Some of you need to come to these altars and just respond to God in that way. Others of us can just respond to God right where we are. But let's respond to what God is saying to us today, okay? Father, I thank you that you're a God who has the heart of a rescuer. That's what you do. Lord, uh, forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for not seeing that. Thank you for showing us today very clearly through your word that you see us. You see what we're dealing with. You hear our cries. You know intimately. And you're here to rescue. So we look to you in Jesus' name.